1: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode number 288. It is the 30-something movie podcast. Um, I, You would think that I just downed an energy drink, <laughs> but I have not. I'm just excited to be here. That's awesome, Sean. You're bringing it. it. It was it was a long weekend. We didn't have to go to work. It was probably, this weekend is probably my favorite. I'll get into that in a minute. This is probably one of my favorite weekends of the year, just okay. because of, of, of the, the fun family tradition. Uh, that we've got going once a year um, for this thing that we go to so I'm gonna talk about that here in just a minute but uh, all right but uh, yeah it's um I actually feel like I, I got a chance to rest for a little bit. I turned off the work email on my phone so for all I know we can get back into work tomorrow and the place is burned to the ground and, and I have I have be... no idea and you know what I'm okay with that I'm okay with that too john i will I will deal with that issue if that comes up tomorrow morning there it is. So that's where we are. So as you can already hear, of course, I, my name is John Reed. I am the host of the 30-something movie podcast. And I have with me, as always, my, I don't want to call you the, the, the old standbys because you're not the old standbys. You guys are, <laughs> what, do I, what do I call you? It's, it's not like old faithful. It's not like my partners in crime. Should we, should we do it that way? Partners in crime? Yeah. The st- sure. The- the, the erstwhile co-
2: companions
1: No, here we go erstwhile companions that's a good one too um co-pilots can we be co-pilots i do like that I do okay like the sound of that, man. i think especially for this month it's probably got to sure, we'll be
2: co-pilots
1: yeah co-pilots okay so my co-pilots at least you know for this month we're co-pilots uh i do have with me pat Canigalo, bo warmbold pat how are you doing doing great john how are you i'm i'm good i'm good i'm ready to
2: talk some movies that sounds good yeah we i we we survived the lovey-dovey month, and now we're into some fun movies.
0: <laughs> Tell us how you're really
2: <laughs> no, and they were some good movies. I mean, seriously, they were great movies. Oh, I know. I'm just so with because I can't. I don't. Can. I don't. I, I know, and I don't want to be like making fun of, uh, you know, make, n- knocking those movies. No, I. I well, there was the one that was weird, but yeah. <laughs> anyways, we're into planes, and that's you know what I'm saying. And Bo, the Love
1: Fest, Warmbold, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing quite well, John. Thank you very much. Excellent.
1: Excellent. And you? I I'm good. I'm all good. I Excellent. I, I had a great weekend, which I'm going to talk about right now. Um so this weekend was our I was going to say
0: what did you do this weekend?
1: I, I know. Um this was our kind of annual family tradition. We go to C2E2, which for those who are not uh, up on the lingo, you know, all the kids are talking about it. Uh those who are not up on the lingo, C2E2 is the Chicago Entertainment and wait Chicago comic and entertainment expo. So two C's two E's C2B2. And, um, basically it's a giant comic book show. Uh, I don't know how it compares with, um, New York. I know New York has a pretty big one. I know there's, some other big ones. yeah, I don't know there were some big ones that are in Atlanta. Um, obviously San Diego comic con is the biggest, um, and i did i was trying to figure out you know how is i've only ever gone to c2e2 and maybe some smaller shows here and there so i was trying to find out this weekend how does this compare to san diego and apparently san diego is like five times bigger and crazier and more crowded than c2e2 to which i just say thank you very much i will stay in the midwest and and, and yeah. I'm, good, I'm good where i am thank you um, yeah. because already that's that's the only thing i will the only downside to this show is particularly on Saturday. That's the day that it's busiest and it can get a little, you know, if if you're a little claustrophobic, sometimes it's a little tough to get through some of those aisles and, you know, look at stuff you want to look at and not feel like you're being crushed on all sides like a trash compactor in the Death Star. Um, But uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Like I I go the whole weekend, I go every day and I typically go Friday by myself just so I have that one day to, you know, go do whatever stuff I want to do. And then in the last few years, I've alternated taking one of the kids on Saturday with me um, tend to also go with my sibling and and his wife. And, um, we, uh, and then we take the whole family on Sunday and the whole family includes, uh, my sibling, uh, my sister-in-law, my kids, my wife, and my mother-in-law. So we have a big crowd of people that go with us and uh, I have convinced them in the last few years to all dress up. So, uh, we do go in costume. It's a good time. Uh, I, I will say that my mother-in-law, she's a really good sport about it. We all typically tend to go on that Sunday as either Star Wars characters or something like that. And mm-hmm. and without fail, she is always a Starfleet officer.
2: Well, there you go. Mm-hmm.
1: So, which is even funnier when we walk through the Star Wars section of the show. Uh, the the Darth Vader and the Stormtroopers and all those guys in costume tend to give her kind of funny looks sometimes. Um, but this time around, was it was hilarious. She went to go... Um, she went to go have her picture taken with a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper in, you know, all these costumes, of course, uh, some of these people just spend ridiculous amounts of money on these costumes and, and they look like they're straight out of the movies. Mm-hmm. And she went to go have her picture taken with a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper. And the Darth Vader made the, uh, the Vulcan salute with his hand.
2: Oh, cool. So, so,
1: so we have a great picture of her as the uh, Starfleet officer standing in between Darth Vader and Stormtrooper with Darth Vader giving the, uh, the live long and prosper salute. That's pretty cool. So, so it was a good time. Um, I went, uh, first day I, I didn't dress up at all. Second day I went in my Rocketeer costume. Um, the Rocketeer oh Goodness sake, do you not read the papers?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I went as a Rocketeer and um, yeah, Lord knows I spent enough on that costume. I'm going to get some mileage out of it. And um, did that on kind of the first half of Saturday because it, it gets a little toasty in that costume after a while. And uh, then Sunday we all went and I was uh return of the Jedi Luke. So I had the, the black costume on uh, John was kind of a Kylo Ren. I think he got tired of wearing his mask. So, you know, he just kind of turned into a star Wars fan that was wearing all black halfway through the day. And <laughs> uh, he bought a Mandalorian t-shirt. So that kind of ended up going over his costume. And uh, Nora was the Mandalorian. So we had fixed up a Nerf gun to look like the Mandalorian's rifle. And uh, she had a, she had a black costume on with, uh, we had kind of painted on, with some glittery paint the uh, silver parts of his armor Um, very cool and then she had kind of like an iridescent purple cape that she was wearing and had a uh, mandalorian mask that she wore and then sharon was the librarian from uh, the jedi librarian from episode two and so that was that was probably one of the parts i was happiest about was uh that then gave me an excuse to buy nor uh, to buy sharon a lightsaber so i did have to go buy her a lightsaber um we we now have oh, matching we now have matching lightsabers so that's the circle is now complete.
2: I may ask if I may ask are you blue lightsaber the are you blue lightsaber people or are you green lightsaber people?
1: Well, okay, so here here's how this works. Um, the very first lightsaber I ever owned was a replica of Obi wan Kenobi's lightsaber, so it's blue. Um, and then I did. I did purchase another one uh, last year and it was green because that was to kind of go along with my return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker costume. And then uh, Sharon wanted a blue one because that's the color in the, you don't see it in the movies, uh, but in the comics, the librarian has a blue lightsaber. Okay. So got her a blue one. And then I really liked the design of her lightsaber. It, It, that one, that model didn't exist when I bought mine a year ago. Okay. So I got a little jealous of her blue lightsaber that looked really, really cool. And uh, so I decided then to then go buy myself a second one. Okay. And so I got a new one as well. So I do have a green one. I have a blue one that is not working so great anymore. I have a green one that works just fine. And the new one that I bought is actually an orange one. Oh. So oh. It, it, it looks pretty nice, especially when, when you got the two of us together. It's either, we can either go bears or eye colors. If, if <laughs> we, we want options. to with, with the blue and the orange. Um, but the funny thing is our Um, both of our wedding rings, we have matching kind of matching wedding rings with a gold and silver design. And both of our lightsaber handles are both kind of a gold and silver design. So it actually looks like we got the lightsabers to match our wedding rings.
2: Oh, that's fun. Well, depending on which circles you run in, you can say, of course we did, or Hey, that's just a coincidence. You know, I mean, you're that's the story I'm going
1: to tell from now on is that those lightsabers were intended to match our wedding rings.
2: Right. Right.
1: So, so, yeah, so we're all very happy with our lightsabers, and, and I, it, was, it was great. You know, Sharon, Sharon got stopped several times because people were like, oh, you're the Jedi librarian. I've never seen anybody dress up as the, the Jedi librarian before. So really? she got stopped several times and, and asked, uh, asked if people could take their picture with her. And, yeah, so she had a lot of fun. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. She had a great pose, too. She had it all worked out. She was going to hold up her lightsaber, turn on the lightsaber, hold it up, and then she was going to put her finger to her lips and just go, shh pretty cool stuff man because you know when you're a librarian that's what you do so we had, that's a, great awesome. had I mean, a great time between
2: her having a one-of-a-kind costume that no one's ever seen that's that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah and I,
1: between her yeah it was really cool
2: her yeah. head, what was it two years ago or last year she asked
1: yeah she asked for
2: the porgacorn from the artist guy that I was mean, your, that your was, family's making a mark on the c2e2 thing
1: well see and, th- and that was the funny thing is that nora asked for that sketch i think it was about two years ago now um, the the porkicorn, the Unicorn pork, And so we saw that same guy at okay. the show, and we were flipping through his artwork, and he's actually done a new version of the Porgicorn. And we looked at that one, and we kind of chuckled, and the guy goes, yeah, actually, it's really funny. I I, I kind of uh, did this sketch based off of a character that a little girl asked me to do on a free comic book day when I was at a comic book store in Libertyville, Illinois. And um, based on the sketch I did for her, like other people – saw me do that sketch and and then it just got real popular and people started to ask for it so i just i made a print and and now i sell them at the shows and i laughed and i said well actually that was my daughter and he goes you're kidding me and i said yeah no it was at at dreamland comics in libertyville and we came in and she wanted a a cross between a porg and a unicorn and uh, i said yeah she's going to be here on sunday so she went she actually bought the uh i think she bought a copy of that print when she came on sunday and you know he just he thought that was the greatest thing in the world that she was showing up at the at the show to see the other sketch that he had come up with. Cool porkicorn. That's that's awesome. It's good stuff. Yes, it's good stuff. We actually tweeted it um, one time, and I think uh, I don't remember if he just commented or if he retweeted it. But uh, Mark Hamill um, saw it and either retweeted it or commented on it. Either one, and so Nora just at the time she went nuts for the fact that Luke Skywalker saw her porgacorn sketch.
0: That's so cool. Hey, I I respect the excitement there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I get it. I get it. I, I got That's just so as cool. excited
1: when I bought my, uh, my uh, six inch action figure of uh, old Luke Skywalker from the last Jedi. I, I bought that action figure. I took a picture of it and I tweeted it and I, I included Mark Hamill on the tweet. And I said, you know, I'm really excited to finally get my heroes of the Bible action figure of Moses that I never had as a kid. <laughs> and good. And he did like, and retweet that one too. So I was, I was very excited about that. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. But uh, so, yeah, so that was that was our weekend. So it was a good weekend. We always have a lot of fun with that. I always try to pick up some, uh, I kind of try to collect um, artwork from some of the different artists. And, and lately, I've had them, I've actually done commissions where I actually pay them to do a an original drawing for me or a painting or, or something like that. And so I've got quite a collection going of Rocketeer um, art commissions that I've had them do for me. So got, a, got another one or two of those this year. So it's it's all good stuff and you know, tend, to, tend to find things, you know, you'd never find anywhere else. There's a, a big selection of stuff to choose from. So we just, we always have a good time. Very cool. We're always very exhausted when it's over, but it's always a good time. So, um, you know what, in terms of, before we get going with our other stuff, the only other thing that I had in terms of news for us is, I don't know if you gentlemen saw this or not. I, I think I texted you a little while ago. Did you happen to see that James Lipton passed away?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. sad
2: that is too bad when you start to see yeah. those guys start to pass
1: i agree i agree so that was yeah so i, I remember watching his you know my favorite episode of his and i, I don't know if, if you guys remember specific episodes of it but when he did the inside the actor's studio my favorite one was robin williams because you just yeah, that was awesome and he you know what as as a host I think it takes an extra special set of skills to be able to interview someone like Robin Williams.
0: Oh yeah. Cause he's just all over the freaking place. Oh,
1: absolutely. It's, it's like, it's like giving a squirrel, like a, a mountain of pixie sticks and then having it sit down for an interview.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: it's, that was my favorite. That's probably my favorite episode of the inside the actor's studio. But yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, do you guys have any in particular that you remember seeing?
2: I don't have any in particular that I remember. But it's, um, I just remember always being able to uh, uh, turn it on and um, enjoy watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just always, oh, hey, check this out. This is, you know, just always getting sucked in. And and the interviews were always so good that it really didn't matter what I was watching.
0: Yeah, I would agree. You always knew, even if it was somebody you didn't really care for, you were going to learn something very interesting.
1: All right. Well, before we jump into Air America, because this time around, I don't know if I said that yet or not, but uh, it's episode number 288. We're talking Air America this time around. Uh, Very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about, so we we spoil freely, so be warned. Um, We also, Bo, I think you mentioned one time, we can spoil expensively too, so whatever your darn right, whatever your tastes are, we we are here for whatever it is you want. Um, iTunes reviews, please leave us a five-star iTunes review. We would absolutely love that. Uh, and then visit our website 30 podcast that's three zero and the word podcast.com that has all the different ways all of our old episodes uh, different ways to reach out to us the voicemail line all kinds of other stuff there so uh, head on over to our website check it out there it's some good stuff so before we jump into the movie itself this is the first episode of the month I've got comic books on the brain from this show I almost said this is the first issue of the month um I'm sure there will be many issues this month, but um, this is the first episode this month. So we are going to be doing our this month in 90 little segment that we do sometimes at the beginning of the month. Um, So let's jump back in the DeLorean. We'll go back in time to this month. So March, 1990. And uh, there was, I mean, there was some stuff going on here and there in March of 1990, but I just, I selected a few things here and there. I will admit, and maybe this is just me, but I will admit I didn't recognize too many of the names when I went to go look for births and deaths for March of 1990. So I don't really have anything for that, but I've got a couple things for news items and books, movies, and songs. So we'll, we'll throw all that stuff out there and we'll throw it in the stew and and cook it up and and see what happens. All right. So uh, in top news on March 15th, Mikhail Gorbachev is elected as the first executive president of the Soviet Union. Uh, also on the election front of things because who doesn't love continuing to hear about elections all the time? Uh, March 18th, East Germany holds its first free elections. Uh, Let's see. Last thing I've got here, and I'm going to kind of put this in the news slash sports area. Uh, On March 3rd, I believe it was the first time ever the Nintendo World Championships took place. Crazy. So I remember hearing about that as a kid and thinking, wait a minute. You mean to tell me there is a competition in which you can play video games mm-hmm. <laughs> and win prizes. And it's not just in the movie, the wizard. <laughs> That's a thing. So, it's actually mm-hmm. a thing. I remember, and it probably was reported pretty regularly in this. Uh, my aunt used to work at Toys R Us when I was a kid growing up. So, which is like the best place ever for an aunt to be working. Of course. Right. Yeah. And uh, she used to get me free subscriptions to game pro magazine. I don't know if you guys ever read game. Oh yeah. Oh, remember game pro back in the day um I, I every once in a while i get uh like a year subscription to nintendo power but i always kind of like game pro a little bit better and um i kind of i think i remember some of the stuff about the nintendo world championships being reported on in the in the game pro magazine so i remember kind of keeping up with that at the time cool uh top books in march of 1990 oh the places you'll go by dr seuss Good. devices and desires by pd james and the born ultimatum by robert ludlum oh crazy uh, top movies for March of 1990 for the first three weeks of March of 1990. It was The Hunt for Red October and the last week of March. It was Pretty Woman. Okay. One ping only, please. Top songs were Escapade by Janet Jackson and Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Ugh. And I have to admit, I don't think I would. If you played either of those songs, I'm not sure I would know them. You'd know Black Velvet. I would know Black Velvet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Maybe I'll find a little clip of it and drop it in right here and then I'll just go and then here we'll do this. I'll pause for a second and I'll say Oh yeah, that one. I
0: would be honestly shocked.
1: Okay, so
2: Black Velvet, and
1: then what was the other one? Uh, Escapade by Janet Jackson, All right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to put these on I the think YouTube. You,
0: honestly. You might know that one too. I do. Maybe. I can call them do up you? in my head.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Yeah, you have to text me and see and let me know if you did know them. Oh, that's I'm,
2: the song. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I ever, got a hunch.
0: At least one of those, if not
1: both. You could pretend right now that I'm going to do some creative editing, which I'm not going to do, and we can all just right now be like, "Oh, that one, yeah." Ready to count it down? That's right. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> escapade, yeah. of course.
1: Oh, Janet Jackson. That okay? I, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I I thought you I thought you meant Samuel Jackson. I got confused.
0: No, that is a totally different song. <laughs> I'll just, and then I'll start saying, I'll start saying,
2: oh, Black Escapade. Yeah, that one's great. I go. love that one.
1: <laughs> Which could also be Sam Jackson. I, I, right. Okay. Black, what was it called? Black, uh, Black Velvet Escapade.
0: Black, Velvet. Black
1: Velvet. Uh, yes, there you go.
2: Black yeah. Velvet. Okay. Velvet
1: I'm, Jones. It's, it's by Velvet okay, Jones.
2: All right. All right. We're going to get in trouble now. <laughs>
1: oh, man. So you want to be, no, okay. Um, <laughs>
0: So you want to get fired? <laughs>
1: no, I'm just. <kidding. laughs> uh-huh. Oh boy! You can buy my new book. All right, uh, I think we're ready to talk a little bit of Air America here. Uh, Are you I guys think, ready? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. The movie this time around is called Air America. It came out on the 10th of August, 1990, rated R, uh, with a runtime of one hour and fifty-three minutes. Directed by Roger Spottiswood, uh, who sounds very British. hmm So it's, it's a very British name. Yes. Roger Spottiswood. Yes. It sounds like he should be in like a James Bond movie, like some kind of a, like working with M or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, he did 48 Hours, Turner and Hooch, and Shoot to Kill. Well, Producers on this one, uh, producer was Daniel Melnick, who died in 2009. He also did Altered States and Blue Streak. Writers on this one were Christopher Robbins. Oh, Christopher Robbins. Oh, wow. All right. Well, well, he died in 2012, so Pooh Bear couldn't help him. Um, that's uh, it's a completely different person. Uh, just, just like how Sam Jackson and Janet Jackson are not related, apparently. Uh, Robbins, the only thing he did was the book for Air America. Uh, he did something else, but but not anything that got turned into a movie, I don't believe. Uh, John Eskow did the screenplay. Richard Rush also did the screenplay. Eskow did The Mask of Zorro and Pink Cadillac, and Rush did a movie called The Stuntman. Cinematography was done by Roger Deakins, who did Fargo, Skyfall, and 1917. I don't think we've talked since we've both seen this movie and Bo, I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. How good was not. 19 How good was 1917? Pat, I know you saw it.
2: Yeah, I saw it. Wait, did, I I missed it. Were you asking Bo how good 1917 or we was that No, a no, gen- no, Bo, no, Bo hasn't seen Bo it. Hasn't seen Bo, it. So I understand. I'm, I'm asking
1: you. I'm asking you how good was 1917.
2: And Bo hasn't seen it. Okay. No. I okay, I'm non-spoilers. I thought yes. uh I thought it was incredible. Yeah. I was really taken by that movie. I saw and I'm not going to – well, one's a pseudo-spoiler, but if you know the way they did the camera – have you heard about how they filmed it, Bo? Yes. Okay. That, I, I thought, was going to be kind of like a gimmick type thing or, I, you know, I'm an idiot. I'm not going to notice that camera angle stuff. And then it was like, wow, that, that really added a lot to the story. I mean, I felt that really brought me into the story. Um, and then with keeping it spoiler-free, that movie – kind of had stuff that i had not really seen in a movie before and Mm -hmm. uh it was it was uh it was it was quite a story i really 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 enjoyed uh seeing that uh seeing that film
1: you know i'm hey i'm gonna spoil it we win yeah We, we win the war
2: well if we do we yes we do i
1: mean but yes we do but within, I guess that's in the, That's the sequel, though. That's nineteen eighteen.
2: That's that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the way that we win the war is nineteen nineteen. Okay, but the point right. is, I mean, but even that, I mean, well, and I'm I'm getting into spoiler territory. I want to, I have to discuss with you, boy. I don't want to give anything away, but
0: no, don't worry, I do not worry.
2: Okay, I I, I just uh, the movie, it
0: it, it yeah. ends
2: with it almost ends with a question mark. I'll leave it that way. I'm trying to be vague, mm-hmm. but do you know what I'm talking no, about, no, John? I,
0: yeah, I have to admit, I don't know. I haven't checked to see what the run is like in theaters, but the way I get to movies, yeah, ooh, yeah. Excuse me. The way I get to movies, I might not see it till it's available on Netflix or or Comcast. So
2: okay, no, but I, I, well, I, I, like I said, I just it. There was a lot in that movie that is there to unpack and discuss, I, and all well, that.
1: and I, and I joke about, I, I joke about us winning the war because you know historically we did, but, right? No, sure, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in this movie, without spoiling anything, in this movie it does it doesn't really matter. The movie's not about that. Yeah. The movie is about this one very specific instance in the war. So it's not. It's almost like I mean, the the war itself is the backdrop to what's going on, mm-hmm. and and the rest of it is just this very human, very like almost laser focus on this small person group of people mm-hmm. that are having to accomplish this task and. Well, and it's, yeah, yeah. no, it it was, it was, it was great.
2: And it was almost like a tour through the world war one battlefield. You know, I mean, you kind of saw a little bit of everything. Um, And it's funny because, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter. And again, I'm I'm being very careful, but that's almost kind of what the sentiment was at the end. If, uh, Mm -hmm. do you know, you know what I'm kind of referring to? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to shut up because I'm going to start messing things up, but I mean, uh, spoiling things, but Yeah. Just so many uh, thought-provoking points throughout that movie. So yes, yeah. 1917. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it three thumbs up. I'm gonna borrow okay. someone's. I'm gonna borrow someone's hand and okay. make it in the form of a thumb so I can do three
1: thumbs up. No, that's that's not creepy at all. No. All right. Well, speaking of gross things, music was done by Charles Gross, who also did Turner and Hooch and Threshold. The budget was 35 million. The box office was 57.7 million. Um, so here's I, this will be kind of interesting to talk about. So Air America, again, this is the one we're talking about. Reviews for this one, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 13%. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 35%. Mm-hmm. IMDB gives it a 58, Letterboxd a 54, and CinemaScore gives it a B. So um, so kind
0: of all over the place.
1: You know, it's it's a little bit like a Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the the B, obviously, on CinemaScore is quite a bit higher than all the other scores. Right. So, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you gentlemen thought of this movie, but let's let's jump in and let's give you the uh, let's give you the uh, the playbill here, so you know who was there and what they were playing. We got Mel Gibson who played Gene. He was in the Lethal Weapon movies and Braveheart. Robert Downey Jr. played Billy. He was in Back to School, Less Than Zero, and the uh, these little things called Iron Man mm-hmm. and the Avengers movies. I don't know what that. I think the Avengers. Wasn't that that British one with Uma Thurman? Yeah, I think so. So I, he was in there somewhere, probably as a as a cameo. Um, Nancy Travis played Corinne Landreau. She was in Three Men and a Little Lady, and So I Married an Axe Murderer. Ken Jenkins was Major Donald Lamond. He was in Last Man Standing and The Sum of All Fears. David Marshall Grant played Rob Deal. He was in Forever Young in the 2004 version of The Stafford Wives. Lane Smith, who died in 2005, was Senator Davenport. He was in My Cousin Vinny, Red Dawn, and the TV series Lois and Clark. Art LaFleur played Jack Neely. He was in The Sandlot, Cobra, and Field of Dreams. Ned Eisenberg played Pirelli. He was in Limitless and Last Man Standing. Marshall Bell played O.V. He was in Starship Troopers, Total Recall, and Stand By Me. David Bowe played Sa- Saunders. He was the cable in The Cable Guy. He was in The Rock, and he was in UHF. And Burt Quuk, uh, Quuk or quack—I'm not sure how we're going to say that one. Um, it died in 2016. He was General Lu Sung, and he was in *Goldfinger*, *Kiss of the Dragon*, and *Revenge of the Pink Panther*. Uh, here is the trailer, and we'll be back here in just a moment.
0: As far as American manpower, there are no American combat troops in in Laos. Hi.
2: See,
1: I put us here, but the map doesn't show a town here.
0: Well, then I guess we're not actually here. And we don't really run 400 flights a day out of here. Four ship 100 tons of cargo, medicines, weapons. Why are they shooting at us? Because they're unfriendly. Why is everyone friendly? Well, they all so unfriendly? We haven't got to know yet.
2: I don't want to
0: crash twice in one day. Don't worry.
2: I crash better than anyone I know. Ah! Why don't you go first? No, I don't want to go first. Hey, okay, okay, I'll go first. No, I don't want to go oh, second. Okay. All toss right. the coin. Tails.
0: That's head, isn't it? That's tails. No, I'll take it. Ah! Mel Gibson. Robert Downey Jr. Ah! Anything, anywhere, anytime. That's our motto. Well, it would be if we actually existed. That's right, but we don't. Air America.
1: How does this movie make you feel? So don't even tell me yet when the first time you saw it was. Just when you're watching this movie, movie starts, you watch through the whole thing, movie ends. How did you feel? Bo, how does this movie make you feel?
0: Um, I was I was happy. I I always enjoyed this movie, so it wasn't a surprise to me going in that I was going to be happy having watched it again.
1: Nice, Pat. What about you? How does this movie make you feel? It's well, got this planes is a, and flying things. So a, I know you're going to like most of it, but
2: yeah. Um, when when the curtain called on it, I felt conflicted. I felt conflicted after watching this movie.
0: Okay,
2: it was the first time I'd seen it, and. Yes, the planes were awesome. The air sequences were great. Um, you know, everything from him, like, uh, hovering the helicopter in front of the truck driver yelling at him mm-hmm. to, <laughs> you know, some of the planes, you know, him crashing the plane and then crashing the plane inside the other plane and all that stuff um, was great. I loved the airplane thing, you know, and um, but I felt conflicted because I wasn't sure that this movie knew what it was trying to be. Okay. And and if the movie knew what it was trying to be, I was kind of torn in two directions. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. And I'm sure the conversation will flow. But but I felt conflicted. There was a lot. I very much liked.
1: OK, that's that's going to be interesting. I want to find out more about that as we start to talk, because that's that's kind of I'll be curious to see if you and I are conflicted for the same reasons. OK. So, um, yeah, so I same thing for me. As I'm watching the movie, I'm having fun with it. You know, it's uh it's it's Mel Gibson, it's Robert Downey Jr. There's a lot of other great um, you know, character actors in this movie. So, you know, f- for that respect, and and just the the stuff they get themselves into, um, it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. Without going too much further into a, a critique of it or or you know, getting too deep into the conversation before we get started with that point of it, is uh it just I think I too had some questions about what is this, what's the purpose of this movie? And I know sometimes with a movie where it's just, it's just fun and it's funny and it's, you know, you, you don't need to harp so much on what is its purpose. Just enjoy the movie. But I did feel like this movie had a purpose and I'm not sure that it was hitting the purpose it had intended. So I think I will also say I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, but when it was done, I did find myself going, huh? All right. I don't know. I mean, that was a fun watch, but I don't know how I feel about it now that it's over. Mm. So, and I will say too, this was the first time I had seen it. So, um, so Bo, it sounds like you had seen this one before.
0: Oh gosh. Tons of times.
1: Okay. Okay. This is,
0: this is appointment viewing. This was on the list of movies. When I met my wife, this was on a list of movies that she had not seen that I felt she had to see.
2: Oh, nice. Cool. All right. Well we're going to tread lightly because it was like date night movie.
0: No, 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 no. Don't, uh, in fact, speaking of, um, because we're in a, um, and uh, because the movies we're talking about the next couple of weeks are war movies, I went to the Friendly Fire podcast to see if they had covered any of these. Mm-hmm. Um, they have done Memphis Belle. They have not done Air America yet.
2: Yeah. Okay. Have you Have you listened to the Memphis Belle one?
0: I have not. Okay. I, purpose, I purposely avoided it. I did not want their opinion okay. to color mine. Yeah. But I plan to listen to it tomorrow. Okay. okay. Well, let's talk afterwards because
2: I I might I might have out pedanted the pedance on that one.
0: Ooh, fun. Not Memphis <laughs>
2: Belle, but I, I might I might I might have to call the friendly fire guys out a little bit. Okay. All right.
0: So I'm just Good saying. Stuff. I'm just saying.
1: Okay. Okay. No, that's All fine.
0: Right. I like it. But yeah, All I've right. seen this movie tons of times. I I enjoy it.
1: Has now you said it was on a list of movies that you wanted to show Donna that she had never seen before? Has she since mm-hmm. seen it? Yeah. Okay. She did not join me in
0: this rewatch. It was not something she felt she needed to see again.
1: Okay. Did she enjoy it the first time? Um,
0: Sort of. I wouldn't say, you know, it didn't. It's one of those that I I think I may have built it up too much. Okay. Before she saw it. So that may be on me. Okay. (laughs) But,
1: uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so. So this question, I, and maybe think of it just slightly Differently based on, you know, Bo, you've obviously Seen this many times before, Pat And I, this is our kind of our first viewing of this So my next question for us is What will you remember about this movie And and you can feel free to bring in You know, what scenes did you enjoy or, or what was A favorite scene um, Or what is, what is going to stick with you What's memorable about This movie, uh, now that you've seen it Once or now that you've seen it again And saw it a whole bunch of times before that so many things for me. So maybe you guys should go first. Um, okay. Yeah, Pat,
0: go ahead.
2: I, well, I was just going to say, I'll remember the, the planes and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try and keep my, without just babbling on, but, but uh, yeah, I'll remember the planes. I'll remember that um, cool air sequences. And uh, if you like flight, there's a lot to like in this movie. Um, I'll also remember the whole, it tries to take Air America, which, you know, what was it? They were like a, it was a front for the CIA, I think originally, mm-hmm. um, which yep. they, they get into in this, and I to be honest, I haven't studied it much other than it was it's kind of one of those things that you've always heard about, sort of like the what was that company in the '50s, the whatever fruit company that was the front for the CIA that they ran all sorts of things out of Latin into an app of Latin America um, anyways it's it's kind of one of these legendary names that you've always heard about um i haven't sort of like
0: universal exports well well that was
1: james, yeah, bond. james bond
2: that was
0: james but it right was,
2: No, but i mean it's the same it, line it is but you've heard of it right it's, it's a it was C-
1: the uh I, I looked it up real quick okay. it's the united fruit company the united
2: that was it. there it is united fruit mm-hmm. universal export yeah it is and it's like it's a front for whatever and uh it, it, but it's it's one of those topics that after seeing the movie i'm like yeah i'd like to get a couple two or three books about this and just you know, see what is available to study about it and find out about what's really behind it. So I guess those were my two takeaways. is one, man, planes are pretty cool. And two, you know, I, I wonder what the real Air America you know that we can study about. I wonder what sorts of things they did. you know mm. So that's all. Those are my takeaways.
1: Okay. Uh, I think for me, takeaways for me are Pat, I think we're going to be very similar on this one. I think it was you know some of the flying sequences. It was, um, you know, I love the scene where Robert Downey Jr., you know, they're they're flying into a trap. They're flying into a setup, mm-hmm. and he's going to be the, the fall guy for for these other, you know, the guys that are kind of in charge of the, the Air America portion of this. And um, as he realizes that, he, he's running out of fuel and he's going to land somewhere. And that whole segment where he lands and kind of crashes himself into his previous wreck, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just to hide his plane so they can't find him. I thought that was great. Um, you know, but I just, the different flying sequences and I just, I kind of enjoyed, I enjoyed the banter back and forth between Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson. And, and really, you know, this is, this is typical Robert Downey Jr. character. I mean, he's, I don't know that I want to say he doesn't have a huge range. Um, but you kind of know i mean i do feel like sometimes you kind of know what you're going to get mm-hmm. with a robert downey jr character it's it's going to be pretty similar um you know there were there were definitely times where i'm watching this and i'm going yeah that's that's pretty much tony stark mhm I mean, a lot of that's tony stark and and pretty much every movie i've ever seen him in i feel like there's it's different degrees of tony stark so um you know, maybe that's just him as, as Robert Downey Jr. And it doesn't change all that much, but just kind of his interactions with everybody, you know, he, he's always fun to watch no matter what movie he's in. Um, so I enjoyed that part of it too. So I think some of that, I, I think some of those pieces are what I will take away from it, uh, without getting into any of the critiques or negatives or anything like that. Uh, I think the flying sequences, I think, you know, just some of the, some of the funny situations they get themselves into, whether they're, you know, truly funny or not uh, in terms of what's going on around them. But um, you know stuff like that. I think that's what I'm gonna take away from is the the flying sequences and Robert Downey jr's character. so Bo, what have you got? obviously, this is one that you really enjoy, so so
0: you mentioned the scene where he lands the plane in the plane wreck, which is which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that have always stuck out of this movie, and it's because I've seen it a lot, so I think what sticks out for me is is a little more like little things like the the lounge singer is singing horse with no name. Like that is something that I will always remember. Like when that song comes on, that's what plays in my head. Um, When you first get to Laos and they, they sort of show you the, the, what these people are doing and they show you dropping, they show them dropping the, um, the pigs out of the back of the plane and the parachutes engaging and all the squealing (laughs) pigs flying through the air. That has always cracked me up. Um, the the whole shtick about and you are currently not standing in the largest in the second largest city in the whole country of Laos you know <laughs> just that whole we're not really here aspect mm-hmm. of it always always stuck in my head too
1: yeah so uh, so here's a question uh, that I guess kind of it's this may go along more with you know it sounds like Pat and I have a few things to say about this and and Bo you might not quite as much, but I'd be kind of curious. So actually, Bo, I'm going to ask you to go first on this one. What doesn't work for you with this movie? Uh, you've said you've seen it a lot of times. You like this one. It's appointment viewing for you. It was on your list to share with your wife. Um, is there anything about this movie that does not work for you or falls short for you?
0: Um, the end, actually. Okay. Um, even though they do put the placard up, it sort of tells you what happens to some of the characters. I think it ends sort of oddly. Um. And I feel like they and 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 I understand the plot device. It's to show growth in Mel Gibson's character. But really, the the only reason that he had to dump all of his guns was because at no point did anyone ask how many people they were going to pick up. Mm-hmm. At no point does she say, "I've got three hundred people standing next to me. Like it feels like little things were left, sort of. Um, didn't need to be. Um, something else I was thinking of. I was going to
2: ask if you, if you, while well, you're thinking, I don't. Did Mel Gibson have a character arc, or was it just kind of revealing of who his character kind of was?
0: I, I would agree. I, I think um, they reveal it in such a way as it makes it look like there's growth because Robert Downey Jr. expects that he's going to want the guns mm-hmm. as opposed to not. But I feel like, yeah, I don't know that I would call it a true arc mm-hmm. um. there's something else, but I'm not gonna oh the whole the fact that Nino, the restaurant guy, um was in on the the whole opium deal, like I don't think he needed to it was an extra guy, but somehow mm. Nino's involved and he has to pay the same price because X, Y, Z, whatever's going on. Like, they couldn't have just written that scene for the general and the major to deal with brought an extra person in and it just made the story not as concise. Yeah. But again, it's little things. Part of it's because I've seen it so much. Like, I, I get a little pedantic with this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So,
0: how about you guys? What It sounds like there's a lot you guys weren't uh, weren't feeling so,
1: yeah. Pat, go for it.
0: Well,
2: <laughs> I I struggled with the dichotomy that was in the movie, and I'll say this: it was it was almost like a Lethal Weapon esque movie, but it was set within the war in Vietnam, and mm, okay. as opposed to where Lethal Weapon, there were some gritty parts of Lethal Weapon. I mean, obviously, and well, actually, the first two. Well, actually, the you know they all kind of had their gritty points to them. I mean, it was it was definitely an adult movie, and 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 you know people lost their lives, and you saw a seamy side of life and everything. But <clears throat> they struck a balance between that, and you know the good guys win, and you know okay, he you know someone gets shot to pieces, and you know he he's suicidal, but still, and <laughs> maybe this is kind of insidious, but somehow they're able to kind of make a joke out of it, kind of thing. Um, and you're able to explore that and see his character arc and so on and so forth. And that's what makes the Lethal Weapon movie so fun. In this one, I don't think they struck a, a, a good balance between that because there were aspects of it that were very Lethal Weapon-esque. Okay, in one breath, they're into some kind of plane chase and things are getting shot up to pieces and they're going down and all this kind of stuff. And then in the next breath, they're all sitting there getting drunk because they're, you know this life they're living is taking such a toll on him. And he's, you know, shooting up the, you know, he's shooting up his uh, mini golf course, you know, because, you know, this guy's burnt out and then they lost another friend. And it's not like, Oh, shucks. I mean, they're visibly uh, upset by that. And then you get, okay, there's the guy running the drugs and you know, that, you know, in one breath, they make that general guy kind of, he's the real mustache twirling bad guy, like right out of lethal weapon.
0: Who don't forget wants a holiday? In wants a holiday, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, so you got the humor, but in the same token, you know, you've got this underpinning of this. This is all set within Vietnam, and you know, we've we met. A, I mean, all these movies have come, so it's it's not like it was just party time. And so I think it kind of falls a little flat because we're setting this rip roaring adventure and yeehaw. Well, right in the middle of the Vietnam War, and it's kind of, if and, and then they show, and that's the thing, they don't go full on lethal weapon where it's like a fun adventure, or even, you know, whether you thought it was a good movie or not, Flight of the Intruder, where there's some serious undertones to that movie. They've got the humor and the, you know, right up to the end where, oh, doggone it, all right, bang the people on board, I'll throw the grenade into my gun running and all this kind of stuff, and off we go, and what the heck. But then you juxtapose that with these guys are all sitting around. They're not healthy. They're not all right in the head. They have very poor outlooks on life. Um, they bring in the the senator on the fact-finding mission, and they keep him in the dark. And so that's kind of like a little bit of the humor, you know, sort of like right out of uh, Die Hard. Well, we need some more FBI guys. But then yeah. this guy is making decisions about the conduct of the war, and he's got some serious... Points too, like all of a sudden he's completely lost, but then he's asking these really um, serious questions, like like maybe, maybe he's trying to figure it out. And that was like a big problem with the Vietnam War is no one really knew how to fight this, th- you know. So I I guess that's what I struggled with was that dichotomy. And I guess I, what would I have done differently? Okay, decide what kind of movie you're making. If it's going to be a rip snorting adventure, then just go with that and drop all the stuff about how these guys are are you know struggling and you know alcoholic and all this kind of stuff leave that out just make it just go full for full-on fun or make it a more serious movie okay and you know show us deep get rid of the get rid of the fun and the 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 you know all the little attempts at the humor and all that and show how these guys are trying to cope why are these guys so burnt out i mean they didn't really even examine that okay yeah their friends are dying but you don't spend any more time with them trying to comfort families or try to, you know, anything other than, oh, yep, we lost another one. We're all going to face one direction in the pilot briefing room and growl at the Air Force guy because he just doesn't quote unquote get it. But that's it. Now we're off back to our gun running thing and our drug thing and all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of like, you know, what, where, where are we going with this movie? Cause you're not, you know, you gotta got a foot in both doors and you know, are we exploring Mel Gibson and who his character is or are we exploring Robert Downey Jr. And his supposed character arc. So anyways, th- that, that's kind of what, that's what I struggled with, with the movie. And so there were some fun parts and I really enjoyed the fun parts, but there was enough of the other thing it was like, well, how am I supposed to feel about this? I mean, you know you gotta gotta pick one or the other
1: well to quote ghosts ditto oh shoot i stole your thing i'm sorry man (laughs) no no not at all not at all i I think those are some of the same problems that i had with it again like fun movie it was fun to watch I, i don't feel like at any point i was sitting through this movie like you know what i'm not entertained um this was a movie that as i'm watching the movie i'm like i'm entertained i have some issues with the movie but it's just more of a I, I'm just as you said earlier I'm just not sure if this movie knows what it really wants to be and that's the only real problem I have with it you know I will I go watch this movie again probably not but I don't regret having watched it this first time that I did um, and for I think for some of the same reasons I, I had those issues with it was as I'm watching it I'm like oh this is a fun movie it is kind of I got that same vibe too I'm like you know Mel Gibson a little bit is is you know treating this like a and maybe that's just you know Mel Gibson's character too is it's it's got a little bit of a of a lethal weapon. You know, he's kind of a uh, kind of a roguish character. I mean, he's obviously way more laid back in this movie than he is in the lethal weapon movies. But um, you know it's that was the issue that I got, especially as it got towards the end of the movie and we got more into the the gun running piece and the the drug part of it and the senator who's trying to investigate all this stuff was there were times where I'm watching this movie and I'm going, oh yeah there's a Senator that's here and he's investigating or it hits the almost very end of the movie. I'm like, Oh yeah, there was that one woman that was there and she's like trying to help out the refugees. And it it just felt like for, for good stretches of the movie that that whole subplot had just dropped off and that I had kind of lost them for a while. But those subplots to me also felt like they were part of a more serious movie. And that's, I think to your point, Pat, was I, I enjoyed watching this movie from the first part thinking, oh, okay, so this is a, this is going to be a comedy. But then those subplots, while there were some funny bits and pieces, and, and maybe funny is not the right word, but there were some some maybe comedic elements to those subplots. In watching the movie, I'm like, you know what? Actually, that whole investigation or that woman who's helping the refugees, that's not part of a comedy movie. And I'm wondering if the way this is being handled – you know, is this still too close to Vietnam to really treat it like a comedy? Now, part of my part of my bias in this, and you guys know I've said this before, Good Morning Vietnam is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think that Good Morning Vietnam, if you in the 80s, which still is, is not that far removed from Vietnam, if you in the 80s are going to make a movie that gets to the serious aspects of the Vietnam War while also bringing in some humor the way Robin Williams does, I think that movie does it perfectly. I can't think of anything about that movie, at least for me, where that movie misses the mark with being able to balance those two things. I did feel like a few times, especially as it got to the end of the movie, I didn't really notice it so much while I was watching it. But when I got to the very end, um, the, the, the ending was a little weird. The ending was a little quirky. And I felt like there were some times where I was sitting there going, wait, hold on a minute. I feel like I don't know whether this was supposed to be a a slightly more serious inspiring take on somebody bucking a corrupt system and saving people in the end instead of you know going in with the with the rest of the people that are just trying to make the money and or was this meant to just be a comedy the whole time and I don't know so I just I don't know it just I I got that weird vibe when I got to the end of the movie that I was just like I I just felt like I wasn't entirely sure purpose-wise what I had just watched Again, still entertained by it, but I just kind of, I got that kind of weird feeling of, I don't know if this should have been, maybe this would have worked better if it had not been treated so much like a comedy. That if you had made this a serious investigation of what was going on with that, I actually would be more curious to see that now. Um, Like you said, Pat, I'd like to go find a book about The Real Air America. And find out more about it, because at the end, when they do put up those uh, those kind of title cards at the end of the movie, and they tell you what happened to everybody after all this, mm-hmm. it, I, I'm I'm watching that. And I'm going, well, wait a minute, are these the people's real names? And and is this really what happened to these people? And is or is this like the end of Animal House when they're telling us that you know, <laughs> right. Senator and Mrs. Blutarski are, are now living happily ever after? And um, so, and then I try to go look it up real quick. Um, and from what I could find is none of the characters' names in here are the same as the actual people that were involved mm-hmm. in Air America. So it's a weird, I don't know, it feels like a weird mixture of we're trying to uncover a piece of history for you, but we're also kind of making fun of it at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe I just, maybe I'm not reading that right, but that's just the vibe I got after watching it.
2: it- yeah. And, you know, I mean, and and we might, it might be a little bit asking too much to say, have a comedy. Cause you know, I think of like hot shots as a comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I think like a lethal weapon has humorous elements to it, but it's an action movie. And I think that's, I mean, it, I I wouldn't even say, Hey, go full on comedy. I would just say, focus on that. Drop the subplot of, of all that serious thing. Have the drug guy, you know, have the drug guy, but you know, uh, the, the general, but just, you know, you're even kind of led to believe that some of those guys were running those things. Like make it, make it a struggle between, I don't know, make it a struggle between the pilots and that general, something like that. Like drop all the, the, the subplots that bring in a little bit of that serious, because as soon as that's there, it's like, I, I don't know that I should be necessarily enjoying that, you know, go, go more like what lethal weapon did or, or on the flip side, just, you know rein in some of the humor and light banter things and explore uh, a a little bit more of the you know that these guys were losing people and you know there was some death and you know they're really struggling with it show a little bit more of that psychological effect of war and and really do that justice again i'm going to point to flight of the intruder i don't necessarily think that the the flight of the intruder is you know you know necessarily like a five-star academy award-winning film but I think they they do a little bit of justice to the topic matter because, you know, there are some there are some moments in that film that you could chuckle at. But there are some very serious moments in that film as well. And it it, it at least kind of does it justice, you know,
1: um, um, there's you know what? And that's now that you say that the one time that I did during the movie, the one time that I did kind of almost get knocked out of knocked out of the movie for a moment and realized that something felt a little off to me was when they're in their briefing room and they mentioned that one of the guys has died and the guy's talking and Mel Gibson turns around he says hey you know what can you take a break just a minute from telling us to be quiet so that we can have a moment of silence and mm-hmm. it was kind of in that moment that I was like hey that's a great line and hey he's they really these guys really care about each other and and it's it's a brotherhood of pilots and it but in the midst of the rest of the movie, it, it almost knocked me out of my watching experience for a minute. And I was like, oh, they're they're serious. Like they're, they're actually mourning this person. I, and I felt up to this point that this was just kind of a happy go lucky kind of deal here. And so I don't know. It it, it was a, it just felt like it was a little bit off balance for me.
2: Yeah. and And why would you assume that the Air Force guy is, I mean, clueless? And why would you assume that the head air force guy is kind of like in on all the drug deals. And I, I mean, it's just too, it's kind of like they went with the cardboard cutout kind of, you know, I mean, I mean that guy that was wore the glasses and was kind of the assistant, he was sort of like the guy in uh, good morning, Vietnam, you know, uh, not Lieutenant Dan, what was his name? And if you do, and yeah. if you do, hello, I'll have you know that time life is considering that guy. Publishing yeah. two of my jokes. It was like just yeah, yeah. So anyways, again, I don't want to take too much of a deep dive into to to going after the movie, but I, I just think it was that dichotomy that kind of threw me off a little bit.
1: Yeah, you're thinking of Lieutenant Steve.
2: Lieutenant Steve, that's right. Yeah.
1: Lieutenant Steve,
0: Lieutenant Dan. I yeah. I, I, I can
1: see those. Yeah. They're I, all lieutenants, so you know. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Actually,
2: Planes are th- pretty cool mo- though.
1: This, this movie, we kind of maybe want to go back and watch Good Morning Vietnam again.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, and I think Good Morning Vietnam works so well because, I mean, there were some really, I mean, I, I suppose you could call it a comedy. But that being said, it wasn't so much a comedy to, in my eyes. It, it was almost like a serious movie about a comedian.
1: You know what I'm saying? It was a, well, I mean, because it, it really is It really is a drama. And I yeah. think that's what it does so well. And I think that's why a lot of people look at that and they say that that was really one of Robin Williams' first major, um, if you want to say, like, mainstream roles as opposed to being a comedic role. Mm-hmm. Because it's it really is a drama. And it really kind of, the the heart of the movie is there. And you know exactly what this movie is about. But it does give him those times where he can get on the radio and just do his... Sure. Crazy manic Robin Williams probably coked out of his mind um bits mm-hmm. that he does in his stand-up routines. And it gives him the opportunity to do that. So I, I feel like that movie, it had a good mixture of, hey, we've got an outlet for this guy to be able to just, you know, open up the valve. And mm-hmm. he's got these moments in the movie where he can do this and it's hilarious. And it's a but then the rest of the time, as he's on the air entertaining entertaining everybody, when he gets off the air, he really sees everything that's going on as it really is. Right. And I felt like for this movie and I, and I know part of it too, that one of the reasons I'm, I'm comparing these two is I think that when they were making this movie, they ended up comparing the two as well because I know when this movie first was getting developed and filmed and everything else, they were trying to do it in 1985 and they were trying to do it as the first, I believe the, the writer or the director or whoever it was um, said, I want this to be the first comedy about the Vietnam war. And so he, that was his intention was to make this, or producer, maybe it was one of the producers, but it was their intention to make this the first comedy about the Vietnam War. And by the time everything got going with it and they had some some setbacks with the casting and everything else, that it didn't get out until after Good Morning Vietnam. And at that point, they're like, ah, somebody already beat us to it. Somebody already did a a movie about the Vietnam War that was really funny. Um, And so I think it ended up kind of getting pushed back a little bit to a couple years after good morning Vietnam. But so that was one of their intentions. E- even if we don't see this as a pure comedy movie that I think was in the back of their minds that they wanted to kind of take something and make it a lighthearted look at a piece of the Vietnam war. But I think it, I, for, for me, at least just this one while entertaining, I just, I feel like the heart of this movie doesn't really know what it wants to be about. So yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, man. So, Bo, I' I'm hoping we're not uh, we're not like destroying one of your favorite movies. We're just no, <laughs> yeah, but,
0: not at all. And, okay, yeah. I mean, and
2: like I said, I I mean, I'll probably watch it again. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, and and maybe you know, it's always you watch something once and you run the risk of remembering it kind of not as it was, but you know, you can kind of fill in the gap. So maybe I'll. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I will definitely watch it again. And I mean, the plane sequences were great. And, mm-hmm. and it was great characters and actors and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: yeah. All right. I got one question left for us here. And then we can go on into our, our three questions that we have a three questions segment. Um, my last question for you here, and this is to kind of get at the characters themselves in this movie um, in terms of the characters themselves. So don't think about the actor think about the characters that you watched in this movie. Um, Which of these characters would you want to go grab a burger with or a cup of coffee or or whatever you want. But I think at the time I wrote this, I was thinking burgers. So if you're going to go sit down and have a burger with somebody and talk with that character, who would it be?
2: I'd probably go with the, I'd probably go with the, uh, the, the, the uh, aid worker just because she seemed to be the most down to earth. The other guys. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. Be kind of hard to, uh, They seem like a rather insular group. You know what I'm saying? So
0: I want to hear Billy Covington's other
2: stories. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: mean, he was suspended. We saw the one thing he did, right? We saw the helicopter yelling at the trucker, but there's more to that guy. Like he sabotaged other things. I think those stories would be worth a burger.
1: Good point. I, if it was actor now, see, as I'm, as I was thinking about this, I was like, Oh, you know, the one actor in this movie that I'd sit down and have a burger with, I always loved uh, Lane Smith's Perry White when he was in the Lois and Clark TV show. Um, just, I, he, it was probably one of my favorite characters in that whole show and I loved his character as the lawyer in my cousin Vinny, um, you know, so related to that stuff, I probably would have picked him. The one that I think would have probably the most fun stories would be, and I don't remember the guy's name. I was trying to look it up real fast. I do not remember his name. Um, do you remember the name of the guy? Uh, and maybe they didn't mention his name. The guy who was helping uh, do some of the drops, and actually when they did one of the first drops, he fell out of the plane. Oh, yeah. 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 And I couldn't even tell. Like, part of me couldn't even tell. Did he do that on purpose just to freak out Billy?
2: Yeah. I think they were hazing. It. It's
1: possible. Okay. That's, that's what I, I, yeah. I figured. Yeah, that's what I figured. But I, that guy's if, and if that's true, that's the assumption I was going off of. If that's true, that guy is hilarious. That, <laughs> that guy was willing to jump out of a plane just to haze somebody, just to give the guy a hard time. And like, I feel, and, and he's half the time, he's just sitting back there, just waiting for somebody to tell him something. The stuff that guy sees and the stuff that guy has probably done, I, I would be, I would, that's in, I'd buy the guy a burger, you know, just to sit down and hear some of his stories.
2: Yeah. That was a cool scene.
1: Cause I tell you what, I'm not jumping out of a plane. I don't care how much I get a laugh out of somebody. <laughs> Coming from the guy that jumped out a window. Yeah. See, windows, windows and planes, that's, that's very different. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I w- I'll go to Florida and I'll visit NASA headquarters, but I'm not going up in a space shuttle and, and, spacewalking or anything
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's very different it's very different got it no i'll, I'll jump out of a window as long as it's on the first floor
2: that's right because i know how you are in space
1: yeah no which no, no.
2: which as you get into the expanse we need to discuss that a little bit more too there have already been some moments i was gonna say i was gonna say <laughs> uh, <I've>, mm. <laughs> yeah i don't want between
1: what, you know and 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 my lovely wife knows me well enough that when we've been watching the expanse and we watched the, uh, the Apple TV plus one, uh, for all mankind, right.
0: Oh, so been, we've, good.
1: We've been watching all these space shows over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she knows well enough that if something like that happens and somebody is, there's a moment in the, for all mankind when they're, they're in, they're in space, but they're on the surface of the moon mm-hmm. and there's a crater involved. Okay and you get just like more than a few meters down in this crater and they don't exactly know how far it goes down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is like five of my worst nightmares (laughs) altogether in one. And because I mean, bad enough to be floating out of the darkness of space, but you're kind of like, you've got much lower gravity and you just would be floating down into the darkness of something. And eventually you'd probably land. I would imagine you're not going to just fly through to the other side of the moon, but eventually you'd land but it would just be pitch black the entire time and and Sharon just looks over and she's like you're not you're not having a good time with this are you like no (laughs) no you would never catch me don't ever worry about me leaving earth and going somewhere else you would never catch me doing any of this that's outstanding Mm -mm. well off the air we'll have
2: to find out where you are in the expanse
1: because I'd love to
2: uh
1: Uh, just finished the first season okay
2: oh all right. all
1: right so I'm, I'm sure we'll be getting into some other good stuff. I have a, I have another TV show to, to talk to you guys about if you haven't seen it yet. So All right. we'll uh, we'll we'll go from there if, if we get a chance to. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say about Air America?
2: I'll focus on the fun. I'm glad I finally saw it, and I think I'll uh, I'll definitely plan a rewatch at least parts. You know, I'll okay. definitely check out some of those scenes.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll I'll echo that too. You know, I it was a fun movie. Um, I, I definitely had a few issues with it, but that didn't stop it from being a fun movie, and I was entertained when I watched it. So I'm I'm good with this one.
0: Right on. There
1: we go. Uh, so very very quickly, before we go into our three questions, um, if we were to give this movie a rating out of five, uh, parachuting pigs, how many pigs would you give this movie? I'm in for me. I'm going to give this one a three. You know, I was entertained, but I did have some problems with it, so I am going to give this movie a three out of five parachuting pigs.
0: What do you say, Bo? I'll, I'll say four. Okay. I enjoyed it. It's something I come back to on a regular basis. The music is good. Um. And it's a story that I enjoy in general. Yeah. The parts
2: I liked, I really liked. The parts I, that other part was, yeah, I'd probably say, I'd probably say like a three, you know, because I think think the average, it would have to be an average. Because the idea of planes and some of those scenes, I'd be like five. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy falling out the back, I've forgotten about that. Um, Just seeing all the different antics with the planes, the yelling at the truck driver with the helicopter. I mean, all that stuff was fantastic. So, I mean, I'd say all that stuff. If I just watched those scenes, I'd say five. But then that whole, you know, all the points that I brought up before, I'll be concise, would drop that considerably down. So, I, I would say probably an average of three. I think that would be fair, Okay. but I don't want to hurt both feelings. So I'd probably say four. <sighs> I'm just, you don't have to worry about my feelings. I, I'm not going to be hurt. Hey man. Hey, Hey, I worry about your feelings. I care. <laughs> I care.
0: <laughs> and I appreciate that Patrick. And I do. There you go. There you go.
1: All right. Well, let's jump into our three questions then.
0: He asks each
2: traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. Three questions.
1: I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Three questions this time around. Question number one, what is your favorite helicopter scene in a movie or TV show?
2: Oh, and TV show. Oh, rats. Yeah. I don't think I can keep it to top three in
0: honorable mentions, John. Sorry.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: When you said TV show, you, you, you made it sound like that locked in something for you. What was it? I must know. What What, what did it lock in? Uh well yeah. I just didn't know that all that
2: stuff was suddenly open.
0: Oh, okay. I thought there was like, oh wow, something that just popped into your head from a show.
2: well, yeah, that too. Go ahead, Bo. What's your what's your what's your he,
1: he now was like every episode of Airwolf.
0: I know, that's exactly um, what I was gonna enough. say. Airwolf just <laughs> fell enough. into place. Yeah. yeah. I was picturing something maybe from the A-Team or something. Well, yeah, and yeah. there it is, um, right? I mean,
2: <laughs> that's the other one.
0: Um mine is die hard. I love that chopper scene with jo- Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson. <laughs> and just And it's not, you know, it's the whole Agent Johnson, Agent Johnson thing. It's that the older Agent Johnson gets sued because he's, it's like he's back in Nam, and the younger Agent Johnson goes, I was poor, Or I forget the line. <laughs> yeah, that basically was basically, he says, No, I was not in Vietnam. And it was just something about it. That scene will always stick in my head mm-hmm. as just, and, because they're just about to just get wasted. Yeah. (laughs) And even, you know, the last line at the end, I think we're gonna need some more FBI guys. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just that whole thing involving that helicopter is just too good.
1: We're gonna need some more FBI guys, I guess. All right, Pat. Were you, were you able to narrow it down?
2: Uh, yeah, I've got it narrowed. Narrowed. Okay. Do you want to go first, John? I mean, I don't want to.
1: I mine's easy. Well, I kind of easy. I did have one that I had considered as a close runner-up, um, and that is any of the scenes towards the end of Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the helicopter. You know, kind of the T one thousand is taking control of the helicopter, and especially towards the end where he's chasing the truck and they're going through the tunnels, and he's taking the helicopter through all the tunnels and. Uh, all that stuff, um, the uh, the helicopter bit at the end of the first Mission Impossible movie. Okay, um, that was a good part. I, I the one I got to go with though is the helicopter rescue um, in Superman the movie. Okay, when Lois Lane is in the Ooh. helicopter and that first time he's revealed as Superman to the world, that uh, you know her helicopter crashes and she's hanging out the side holding onto the seatbelt, and then she drops and he goes flying up and grabs her and she looks at him and goes. And he goes, "Don't worry, I've got you." And she goes, "You got me. Who's got you?"
0: <laughs> Easy, Miss. I've got you. you. You've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> oh, I, I can't believe it. I just, I just cannot believe it. He got her. <laughs>
1: That whole scene that'd be my number one got it i mean i, I and then i gotta back up for just a minute because my other my other favorite line in that superman the movie happens right before that when superman sees that she's dangling from the helicopter up there and he's he's dressed as clark kent and he needs to make a quick change so he zips through a revolving door and comes out on the other side of superman and there's a there's a pimp standing right there and he goes <laughs> say jim that's a bad outfit and superman just goes he just puts up a finger and he goes excuse me and then he flies off and that is probably my favorite line in the entire <laughs> movie
2: definitely that yeah, good line say hey,
1: jim boom. excuse me that's a bad outfit <laughs> favorite line in the whole movie followed by that whole scene of him catching the helicopter and catching Lois Lane nice all right pat what was yours
2: Okay, if I gotta name one, I would have to say the helicopter sequence in Black Hawk Down.
1: He is hit. He is hit.
2: Walcott's bird is hit. Mm-hmm. I, that's a good one. I mean, it's, uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, as much as you would ever get a chance to see, it, you know, you'll, you they're never going to tell you exactly what that, and I believe it's the 160th, uh, air regiment or special operations. You know, they call them the night stalkers. They're the ones that fly all the special, op- special operations guys. And I mean, you get a little glimpse of what that's like. And, uh, you know you got the blackhawks and the little birds coming in and the guys riding on those uh, benches on the sides and these guys you know they they basically land on top of a building and these guys jump off and then the, uh, the blackhawks come in and they fast rope it shows the guys fast roping in, and i've seen that i, I was at an air show once and i saw guys fast rope off a blackhawk helicopter and it's mm. it's uh it's pretty intense and i'll tell you you know you know when a helicopter comes in, well they show it all in the movie but I, I sure as heck wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of any of that. So it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, and I think that, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those movies that I keep coming back to those scenes because that's, that's, that's pretty intense in it. And, I mean, it just shows the dangers of it, too. You know, when those guys started getting picked off and suddenly you're in this thing and you're in this supposed safety and now you're zinging around to the earth and then, you know, they're trying to get these guys in to uh, rescue them. Um so i'd say Black Hawk down the 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 runners up uh I would say the um any of the sequences in we were soldiers because that that depicts a little bit of what you know when the helicopter really as a combat vehicle and you know the whole idea of the air cavalry and revolutionizing and, or no air cavalry the what they call it the air mobile the idea of an air mobile force, and um they show a little bit of that in black um uh, we were soldiers and i i uh I like that one as well. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you introduced TV shows. So yeah, I mean, let's just say airwolf. I mean, there's some really great stuff in airwolf, mm-hmm. uh, the a team. I mean, <laughs> the idea that a show, you know, you can have a helicopter chase and all that is, is, uh, is pretty exciting as well. Um, and then finally, I guess I would say mash. I mean, you know, cause I, that image stuck in my head as a kid is that sad, sad music. And, uh, seeing these guys fly these helicopters in and, uh, you know, just with, and and as a kid watching that and not fully comprehending, like, you know, why are they playing the sad music? Like, I don't get it, you know, and then having my folks begin to tell me, well, it was set in the Korean war, but you know, here's the thing. And then you realize kind of, it's not all, nothing against it, but it's not all John Wayne and off we go and adventure. I mean, it was like, that was kind of, as a kid, that's where you start to, it starts to dawn on you that, well, okay, well, this is serious kind of thing. Um, so I, I would say that you asked for one, I gave you five, but uh, I'd say those are the, you know, the, the top little helicopter things. But I, I'd say the number one was uh, the launch sequence in Black Hawk Down.
1: Nice. That is, that is a good pick. Um, I am going to throw out one more runner up because I was, I was thinking about it earlier then I forgot about it and it just now came back again. I, I have to throw this one out here. Batman, the movie from the 60s
2: yes mm. the helicopter
1: sequence where he goes down on the on the ladder and it comes up with the shark on his leg and he's got to get the bat shark repellent yes yes i i cannot let that one go without having that one get mentioned mm-hmm. robin bring down the bat shark repellent and then, and then i just I, I love that there are other options there yeah the shark repellent is not the only one yeah no kidding no kidding he just he's always prepared and that's why he's batman
2: Batman. Oh my gosh, and I just forgot about Bond. How many Bond films have fantastic... Oh, yeah. hel- I mean, the helicopter chasing uh, 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 Spectre. Yeah. And then there was the other one, and I want to say it was Roger Moore, where he chases down Blofeld when Blofeld is on the... in the uh, Blofeld has the remote control
0: mm-hmm. and he's
2: trying to like destroy the, you know, the remote control thing. Then he picks him up and drops him in the smokestack. I mean... Yeah, there's a lot of good helicopter sequences out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be, someone's got to make a compilation video on YouTube.
0: <laughs> there you go. All helicopters
1: everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All
0: helicopters all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, question number two If you could learn to fly one kind of vehicle, what would it be? I want to learn to fly an airplane. So, okay. Do you have a specific model? Uh huh. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna
2: be realistic. I want to learn to fly an airplane, so I'm gonna learn whatever trainer they'll put me in that I can learn to fly an airplane. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'll, I, I'll I'll keep it like that.
1: All right. Fair enough. Otherwise, if you learn. Otherwise, oh, yeah, I'll go.
2: Ahead. Otherwise, I'll go off for the next six hours on all my favorite kind of
1: planes. So oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. We could just go. You know what? We could take a field trip up to the uh, the museum in Oshkosh. Yes. And just go uh, and that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. My oh, and that one.
2: My daughter had a shirt that says "I want to pet all the dogs," and yeah. that's very much me. I want to fly all the planes. I want to fly all the planes. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find you that shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bo, what about you? If you could learn to fly one kind of flying vehicle, what would it be?
0: Um, I would love it to be a plane. That has a true vertical takeoff and landing. Oh, Mm. cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Something because, you know, I want to be able to land it pretty much wherever I want. And so, you know, it's got to be able to do its thing. Um, So, yeah,
1: that's what I got. Um, I before I do mine, I will say I was asking some of these questions of my family, mm-hmm. and uh, Nora thought that this question, and I was like, "Well, that's okay. You can take it to that direction too." Um, she thought this was uh, fictional vehicles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so she chose uh, a broomstick for a Quidditch match.
2: Well played, <laughs> mm-hmm. well played.
1: And she said, "She said then, if I could have a second one, it would be um, Mr. Weasley's car."
0: oh my gosh okay
1: cool i I can go with either one of those
2: those are good okay well i want serious blacks motorcycle and tell your daughter i'm (laughs) possibly one of her biggest fans
1: okay okay i will let her know she is uh so i I mentioned earlier when we went to c2e2 she dressed up as the mandalorian Mm -hmm. as her costume uh tomorrow at school today as kind of their first day back after a little bit of a longer weekend um their first day back was pajama day Just to kind of ease the kids back into it. Tomorrow is either like sports day. I think it was something like sports or professional day. Like something you wanted to do when you grow up or yeah, it was something you wanted to be or do when you grow up or if you wanted to wear a sports Jersey, you could do that. (laughs) And so uh, she is wearing her Mandalorian costume to school tomorrow because she said, well, I want to be a Mandalorian bounty hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Of course. Nice. So that's, that's outstanding. Mm. You do whatever you want to do. But hey, 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 I want to make this clear. No disintegrations. Right. You may use any methods necessary. No disintegrations. Uh, Uh, So my answer would be, I I mean, you know me. I'm kind of the Rocketeer nut. So um, I'm going to go with the GB Model Z from the Rocketeer. Awesome. Now, what I would like is I would like them maybe to slightly redesign the plane because from what I've heard – it is a terrible plane to fly uh, Mm. only because of how much you cannot see because because of where the cockpit is positioned um, more towards the back of the plane. I have heard from people who have flown this plane that it is very difficult to fly because your visibility is not great.
2: The, so, the so that would be
1: that would be the only thing.
2: The originals back in the 30s had some real wicked flight characteristics too. It would that's that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the pictures of it, it's just like here's the GB flying, and mm-hmm. here is it into the runway. And that body right, right up there, that burning thing, that's the body that got thrown, you know, and it's like everyone. Right. But there's a guy, I think I sent, did I ever share that there's a guy that built one and he like improved it and he would fly it. It was about 10 years ago at all these air shows. And there's some really cool modern videos of him up with one and flying it around and doing all sorts of acrobatics and
1: stuff. Yeah. I think you, I don't, I don't know if you ever sent me the video, but I think you, I remember you telling me about that.
2: Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. It's it's So if I could, I mean, if it was, if it was like a thing where you could like, you know, you know, matrix it into the back of my head and I would be an expert at it right away, then Mm -hmm. sure. I would think it would be a really tough one to learn on, but uh, if you could just like download it into my brain, then I'd be good with that. Yeah. All right. Question number three, Um, Robert Downey Jr. is, I mean, for an entire generation of people, he's Iron Man. So uh, what is your favorite pre 2008 before Iron Man came out? What is your favorite pre 2008 Robert Downey Jr. movie? I like U.S. Marshall. He was fun in that one. He is. Yeah, he's good in that one. I do like that one. That was actually one of my runners-up. Okay. Bo, do you have a favorite of his from before 2008? It might be Air America, if I'm being honest. Cool. Uh, I had to jump back in time just a little bit to a movie that we have done on the podcast. It's been about three and a half years ago now. Um, But uh, I got to jump back to Derek Lutz in Back to School. There you go. So I got to go with that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I did, if anybody wants to, I, I did go look it up because I figured, you know, I'm going to mention this. So why not? Um, So Back to School came out in 1986. So we did that one in 2016. If anybody wants to go back to it, it is episode number 83, When You Have No Class, uh, Back to School Mm -hmm. 1986. So if you want to go back to that one, go look for our episode number 83, When You Have No Class. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Air America for us. Uh, So thank you for being here with us as we've talked through this one, as we started off our uh, planes and automobiles month. Um, Pat's Probably favorite month of the year so far. Yeah, uh, as as we got past the the love story movies, so we could get to the things Pat really loves. So that is going to be the rest of our month. Is the planes and automobiles month we've got coming up next time, uh, episode number two eighty nine, Memphis Bell. And then after that, we've got Days of Thunder and Cadillac Man will finish it off for us. And if you're looking to get ahead by viewing some of these movies, you know, maybe trying to go find them at your local library or if you've got a copy, um, coming up in April, that is our Action Adventure Month. That is Dances with Wolves, Hunt for Red October, Navy Seals, and Rocky Five. So if you're looking to get ahead, those are our about our next seven or so movies uh from now up until about episode number 295 and uh i keep saying this but at some point we got to figure out what we're doing for uh episode number 300 here so that is very quickly approaching all right well thank you gentlemen for being here with me thank you john thank you john an adventure as always so everybody be excellent to each other and we will see you back go watch some good movies we'll see you back here next time for memphis bell